Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Scared to death is explicit in every way. Please take care while listening. Whether thou art a ghost that hath come from the earth, or a phantom of night that hath no hollow, or one that lieth dead in the desert, or a ghost unburied, or a demon, or a ghoul, whatever thou be until thou art removed, thou shalt find here no water to drink. Thou shalt not stretch forth thy hand to our own. Into our house enter thou not. Through our fence break through thou not. We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death, Creeps, Peepers, Roberts, and Annabelles. I'm Dan. Hello, Dan. You're I'm Lindsay. Bob. You're not Bob. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> have a cool uh, merch announcement again this week. Introducing the Yesteryear Collection. Really cool vintage text-based design on premium tees and hoodies. Also saw in the Facebook group that many of you were looking for office supplies, particularly mouse pads. So we have those too. Cute. Uh, been a while since we've done a wall flag. So we have that as well. You can head on over to badmagicmerch.com. Check it all out. Uh, and if you're a Time Suck fan, we released a Yesteryear Collection as well. Get out of here. Uh, and thanks again to all the creeps and peepers coming out to check my stand-up, uh, check out my stand-up at the uh, Burn It All Down Comedy Tour. So fun. It's been so fun. Yes. And uh, we'll be heading to Texas this weekend, San Antonio and Dallas. See you there. Tickets available at dancomas.tv. I'll be there too. And Lindsay will be there too. She'll be at the meet and greet. She'll be saying hi from stage. It's been so much fun. So much fun. So much fun. We've been mm. doing so many things together. Yeah. Just cool. hanging out. It's, it's cool to hear the ovation from the crowd when you uh, are mentioned. They love I you. They love me. I think I said this like a few weeks ago, but my favorite thing that anyone has said to me was your dad. He was like, it's so great. You just walked out there and they loved you more than Danny. You didn't even have to do anything. <laughs> Perfect. Exactly, dad. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about scholarships yeah. really quickly. Uh, as you guys may know, this is a project that's been a long time in the making. And so we are presenting the Cummins Family Scholarship Fund presented by Bad Magic. Uh, we've been taking a portion of our monthly donations and throwing it into this fund to fund the scholarships. And so this year we will be awarding three $5,000 scholarships to three mm -hmm. very deserving people. Uh, and to gather more information about this and to learn more about it, you can go to more.scholarsapply.org backslash Cummins. I know that that's a very lengthy <laughs> uh, web URL. So just look in the episode description for this. Yeah. If you're a Patreon member, be sure to look on Patreon. We'll be posting about it there as well. And the application process begins on March 6th. Oh, so fun. So freaking cool. A lot of cool stuff. And now a lot of cool horror. 
Okay. Uh, what fans submitted horror stories are you sharing with only me and not the audience this week? <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, okay, a story like none other I've ever told before. A werewolf tale. Oh, a fan submitted werewolf tale. A fan submitted werewolf tale. And I was Likens. like, yeah, I was very much like, oh, what to do, what to do. Because it's mm-hmm. like, does that fall in the horror genre? But I, I just, the person who submitted it presented it in such a way that I was like, you know what? I'm with them. I agree. Like, it does fall into that, like, but what if? Yeah. So it was really, a really well-written, very fun tale. And then uh, my second tale, a little bit more lighthearted, about a a light that somebody needs to leave on. Mm. All right. Mm. I'm I'm intrigued. As you should be. Uh, I have two great ones to share with, uh, again, only you, nobody else. Uh, No, this first one comes from South Korea. I'm going to share the legend of their egg ghosts. Egg? Like like crack an egg? E-G-G. Uh-huh. Sounds harmless. Definitely not harmless. Uh, I'll share lore and a modern encounter tale. That's my big story for today. Then I'll share a smaller story that comes from Salem, Massachusetts. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Great haunted town. Uh, Lore and a modern encounter centered around the reportedly haunted and very old, uh, for America at least, House of Seven Gables. Okay. So get your spooky socks on. Not much setup. And then it's a long, creepy ride on this first story. This is my favorite story I've told in a while. Look at these are Penny and Gigi socks that somebody made for me. Oh, this How is, I know they're so cute. cute are they? And uh, I got these in a meet and greet in, I don't know if it was Kansas City or St. Louis because the two cities were in one weekend and they all yeah. blended together. But the note says, Lindsay, queen of bad magic, I hope you like these custom socks I had made for you. Can't wait to see you and the rest of the bad magic crew at summer camp. Your loyal space lizard and Annabelle creep, Joshua motherfucking Jenkins. Aww. And I do remember meeting him because he was it so was, funny about his name. I think it was St. Louis, yeah. Yeah, yeah, awesome. yeah. So I love these socks. Thank you for my puppy dog socks. <laughs> And now we return to a place where the paranormal world never seems too far away from ours, South Korea. Urban legends like the terrifying slit-mouthed woman, covered in episode 59, abound in South Korea, a place where centuries of folklore have wormed their way into modernity. Uh, Folklore-like stories of South Korea's egg ghosts. And again, while their name may sound silly, uh, what that name represents is altogether terrifying. Instead of, uh, you know, diving into uh, explaining who or what the egos might be, let's explore first how you might come across one. Time now for the tale of a spirit without a face. Imagine you're hiking through South Korea's Tebek mountain range. Okay. You woke up early, took a train from Seoul's Chungyeongni station, and got out at Tebek, a trip that took three hours and 40 minutes. After the long journey, you're dying to stretch your legs, and what better place than this famous mountain range? Mount Tebek is one of the higher peaks of Korea, and the area around the mountain is now a provincial park. Rising high into the sky with snowy peaks, this mountain range is also sacred ground, home to many ancient shamanist altars. The peak is crisscrossed with numerous hiking trails, none of them overly strenuous. At a reasonable rate, a hiker can expect to reach the summit in about two hours. But you're not a reasonable hiker. Amid the crowd of tourists, you're dying for a little more of an authentic experience. Maybe get more than a glimpse of some altars in the distance off the normal trails. So you make an executive decision and head deeper into the range to Sun Moon Mountain. Sun Moon Mountain is a much more remote peak with far fewer hikers. It's the second major mountain south of Tebek, a sand provincial park, and lies just east of Chungyang San. The name Sun Moon is a very sacred one, resulting from Taoist nature worship ideas of universal balance and harmony. It also invokes the sun-holding Bodhisattva and the moon-holding Bodhisattva who flank the Chisok Buddha and the Chirsong icons found in the Korean Buddhist temples. 
So many words I don't understand. When you get to the base of the peak, you realize that the road up the mountain has been cordoned off, designated as off-limits. Maybe it's dangerous this time of year. You wonder, prone to avalanches, perhaps. But you're curious what lies ahead. You decide that you'll just slip in for a second. You venture further and further into the twisting branches lining the sides of the mountain. After an (laughs) indeterminate amount of time, you're aware that you should head back, that you're trespassing. But who's going to know? You haven't seen anyone else since you reached the edge of the restricted area you're now in. It doesn't seem like there's anyone else around you who would catch you and get you in trouble. Maybe you now think that is the trouble. It's late in the afternoon and you're entirely alone. But it can't be that dangerous, can it? You'll just explore a bit more and then walk straight back the way you came. Easy. So you do explore a bit more, but sadly, you find nothing especially interesting. And now, based on the position of the soon-to-be-setting sun, you know you need to head back. So you start to descend down the mountain. But then as you do so, you notice that the landscape looks surprisingly unfamiliar. How could that be? Coming up the mountain, the trail had been almost perfectly straight with clear views in all directions, but now it seems to twist and turn, dense foliage flanking you on either side. How could you be on a different trail when the trail you hiked up had no fork in it? Now the idea of making it to the bottom of the mountain before the shops closed and enjoying some Tebek beef, a local specialty, as you had planned earlier, seems improbable, if not impossible. Your stomach growls, reminding you that you didn't remember to bring along any snacks. You still tell yourself that nothing spooky is going on, But as the minutes turn to hours and the sun slips below the horizon, you start to come to terms with the fact that you are lost. To make matters worse, you're positive there's something else in these woods, and that it isn't a park ranger or another hiker. You can feel something lurking just out of sight, something that's been following you for a while. Unnerved by the rustling in the bushes, you don't want to stop moving, but you also can't walk all night. It's better to remain in one place so you stop and listen. Exhausted, your heart pounding, you try to rest against a tree. Maybe once it's light outside, you'll realize that you were close to the base all along. Wouldn't that be nice? But then a sudden sound jolts you. You open your eyes and look around, realizing that the air that had been warm a few seconds ago is now freezing. You peer out into the darkness, seeing nothing at first. But then something shifts in the dark. Hello? You call, now praying that it's a ranger patrol. Even if you get in trouble, you'd at least be out of here. You'd be away from whatever has been keeping you company. Unbeknownst to you, calling out was the last thing you should have done. As quick and subtle as a slight change in the light, you now watch a pale shadow seem to glide through the trees. You blink and the figure is even closer and now you open your mouth in a soundless scream. The thing in front of you isn't what you thought it would be. Nothing you've ever seen before in a horror movie. Nothing you've ever imagined. There are no glowing eyes, no sharp teeth or bloody mouth. There's nothing. No features at all. Pale and blank, without any face, maybe without any limbs as well, this unnatural, inhuman figure fills you with a sense of dread. Powerless to move, you pray that it moves on, or that you're somehow hallucinating, even as it moves closer, ever closer. The egg ghost is the last thing you see. Egg ghosts, or Dalguial Guishan, are said to be are said to most often stalk those who venture off into the mountains. Accounts of what this entity looks like vary. Some say it has a completely smooth face, but otherwise normal-ish human-like body. Others say it's smooth all over with no limbs to speak of. One horrifying fact that remains constant, uh, consistent, or sorry, constant, (laughs) that might explain this inconsistency, almost no one who sees the egg ghost lives for very long after they see it. Another terrifying fact, nobody knows where they come from or what they want. While many ghosts in Korean folklore seem to be born out of trauma, the egg ghost 
maybe isn't? Korea's so-called virgin ghosts, for example, are said to be the ghosts of women who died without children, something that used to be heavily stigmatized in traditional Korean society. Old sources state that it was their sorrow over their childlessness that turned them into ghosts after death, and then they haunt and sometimes harm young girls who now have a chance to have what they did not. Their jealousy has corrupted them into something evil. But the egg ghosts have no similar origin story to justify the murders they are said to commit. If there is a rhyme or reason to explain their malevolence, we don't know it. Egg ghosts are thought by some to be the spirits of people who died without any loved ones. And then without friends or family to remember them, they were stripped of their individuality in the afterlife, becoming featureless creatures. But then why did they kill? Perhaps they're jealous, like the virgin ghosts, of those who have what they died without, others who care about them in this case, who still think of them. The lack of apparent humanity these spirits possess is what makes the egg ghosts so especially terrifying. If you run into one, sadly, there is no surefire way to escape a deadly fate. There is no reasoning with them. There is no communicating with the egg ghost, no bargaining or begging. It simply attempts to drain the life of anyone unlucky enough to encounter it. Rachel was not expecting to go to Korea when she applied to a program that sent American teachers to places abroad. She had thought that she might wind up in Europe or South America. She spoke pretty good Spanish thanks to growing up in Texas and taking four years of high school Spanish and another two in college. But still, when the thick packet arrived at her apartment, informing her that she would be teaching in a remote Korean village for two years, she wasn't disappointed. She was excited. Maybe for some people, they would not they would want to be in a city or a bustling urban area, but not Rachel. She'd spent the last five years earning two degrees in a city, living in a bedroom as big as a walk-in closet, and pulling multiple late-nighters almost every week. Teaching 10-year-olds in a beautiful, quiet village, it looked so beautiful from the pictures at least, seemed like exactly the thing that she needed. It seemed so peaceful, a good place to rejuvenate. Her excitement didn't diminish when she arrived in the village. She left out its exact name in her account, saying she didn't want to encroach on the privacy of her students. It was beautiful, a sloping hill dotted with tiny cottages, bordering an immense thick green forest. Especially after years of hearing about how her friends and classmates had been harassed on the streets or mugged or had any number of bad things happen to them in the city, the village seemed like the last place anything bad would happen. And for a while, nothing bad did happen. Rachel began teaching her students loved her, and she enjoyed getting to immerse herself in Korean culture, something her students were all too happy to help her out with, bringing her food from their parents' houses, their favorite books, telling her their favorite stories, especially their favorite paranormal stories. Those were the most fun. One afternoon, her students told her the story of a woman who had visited a shrine with her husband. While praying, the couple began to hear strange sounds, sounds they wouldn't dare replicate later. Investigating the sounds, the woman felt a pair of heavy hands push her. If it wasn't for her husband, who quickly reached out and grabbed her, she would have fallen off the small cliff she stood atop the edge of and likely died. Another time, her students told her, a man and his mother were visiting the shrine on the anniversary of his father's passing. As they were praying, they could hear what sounded like chanting. Now, at this point, they were the only ones up there, as it was still early in the morning. The man thought maybe there was a priest around, but his mother said, Wait, listen, do you hear it coming from a specific direction? When the man shook his head no, his mother said they had to leave immediately. That was no priest, merely something trying to sound like one, she said. The more people visit, the better they get at imitation. Rachel asked the kids what they were. Ghosts, the children said. Maybe even ghosts who could kill you. Rachel didn't believe stories like this. Not mostly. I mean, these were the same kids who told her they once saw a nine-tailed fox in the coat room. 
or said they hadn't done their homework because an evil spirit had tricked them into playing all afternoon. (laughs) She was willing to bet that folklore had blended in their childish minds to produce an imaginative view of the world, just like her nieces and nephews at home believed in elves, fairies, and Santa Claus. But still, she had to admit that the forest that bordered their village was creepy, the kind of place that did look like it might have some ghosts. The forest with nothing, the forest was nothing like Rachel, who had grown up in suburban Texas, had ever seen. There were forests there, but they were mostly sparse clearings, trees that couldn't have been much more than a couple decades old, and shrubs. This was different, dense, old, a shade of green so deep it almost looked black. It reminded her of watching the moon from the backseat of her parents' car when she was a kid. She'd imagined that the moon was keeping pace with them, moving just as quickly as the car. Except here, it was the forest. You could see it from almost anywhere in the village, sometimes right behind the road, other times off in the distance, but it was everywhere. Rachel wasn't a superstitious person, but superstitious or not, she decided that she wouldn't be going into the forest. Before embarking on the program, she had sat through lectures where advisors warned the soon-to-be teachers about walking alone at night, keeping an eye on your surroundings, making sure that you had your cell phone with you and the police number memorized. Above all, they said, don't do any thrill-seeking. You never knew how much trouble you could get in and the program could only do so much to get you out. She was pretty sure that this forest would count as thrill-seeking. But unfortunately for her, her students didn't feel the same. It was a Wednesday afternoon and even Rachel had to admit that she was having a hard time focusing on teaching her 10-year-old adverbs, her 10-year-old's adverbs. It had been a long, cold winter, then a windy and blustery spring, and now it was the first truly beautiful day in months. Clear, sun-shining, clouds floating overhead, her students, oh my God, her students, who were regularly good at sitting still and not fidgeting, were focused on the windows. She could practically hear the energy bottled up inside them, about to break free. You know what? She unexpectedly said, putting down the chalk. Why don't we spend the rest of the afternoon outside? We can have a nature walk. Her students cheered, rushing to the coat room to put on their jackets. She slipped on her cardigan, wrote a note in case another teacher needed her, and led her students outside. Most immediately took off running towards the play area. So much for a nature walk. But she was in such a good mood, she didn't even mind. Teacher, said one of her students, Ha Yoon, who was ten but looked seven. She was so small. How do you say cloud in English? As soon as she answered, three other kids had questions that quickly devolved into chatter. How do you say flower? How do you say dog? Did you know I have a dog? I've been to your house. You don't have a dog. Okay, my mom said we're getting a dog soon. Rachel almost didn't notice the kids running from the play area to the edge of the forest and back again. Hey, she asked Ha Yoon. What are they doing? Oh, Hayun said, blushing a little. They're just being silly. Rachel watched as one student, a little girl named Icha, walked back slowly a look of determination on her face, which was now quite pale. Being silly how? Well, Hayun said, my parents said I'm not supposed to, but they're playing the ghost game. Rachel frowned. What's the ghost game? At that moment, Dae Jung, one of her best students, who, let's be honest, might have a might have a crush on her because he always was bringing her gifts he found outside, like a snail shell or a pretty leaf, broke in. The ghost game is when you walk to the edge of the forest and walk back slowly, he said, eager to show off his knowledge. The ghosts live in the forest, so they follow you and the people behind you can see them, but you can't look back or else they'll get you. Scary, Hayun mumbled. At at that moment, the group of kids by the forest started screaming, running back towards the play area. The kid who was closest to the forest looked around in terror and, when he realized the kids behind him were laughing now, started to cry. See, Daejung said, it's just a game. Well, it looks like they aren't being very nice to their friends, Rachel said. I think I'm going to go have a word with them. 
When she got over to the group, the little boy who had been the victim of the prank, Hyun Woo, was still sniffling, his eyes red-rimmed. A few kids, most of them girls, had taken pity on him and were patting him on the back, but the boys were snickering. I saw something, Hyun Woo insisted. It was following me. I saw it. Yeah, right, said one of the boys. You're just a scaredy cat. As she went over to them, Rachel glanced at the woods. They were the same woods she'd been seeing for months, now with a little somewhat trampled area in front where the kids had been playing. But as she looked at the place where the grass was pushed down, she thought she saw something flicker in the darkest part of the forest, a bit beyond where her eyes could make anything out for sure. Was someone watching them? Miss! Hyun Woo was now screaming. Miss, he's trying to touch me with the worm! Tearing her eyes away from the forest, Rachel went over to them and did her best to console Hyun Woo and reprimand the boys and girls who were teasing them. Then she brought everyone over to where the other kids were sitting and started, half-assedly yes, but at least she was teaching, to go over adverbs again. A couple minutes in, most of the kids began playing again, and Rachel gave up for real. Maybe they'd all had a little too much work recently. They needed some playtime, right? That was part of being a kid. An hour later, Rachel's watch beeped, reminding her that it was time for the kids to go to their music class with another teacher. All right, everybody line up, she said, scanning the students as she counted. Two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen. But there should have been fifteen. Does anyone know where Hyun Woo is? She said, glancing over at the school building, half expecting to see him coming back from the restroom. But he wasn't there. Did he go inside? Her students shook their heads. I haven't seen him, one boy said. Another girl said, I bet he's in trouble. And then at the back of the line, Han Yoon mumbled, The forest. If Rachel had been a dog, her ears would have swiveled up. What was that, Han Yoon? I saw him go into the forest, she mumbled. He said he was coming right back and not to tell you. Rachel frowned, a knot of worry tightening in her stomach. That didn't sound like Han Yoon. He was a careful kid, always making sure that his homework was turned in neatly, the paper crisp and clean. His backpack was organized, his coat always hung up neatly in the coat room. When the kids played sports, he was always careful not to get dirt on his clothes. Rachel thought about what she'd heard him say. I saw something! It was following me! I saw it! Was it the same flicker she'd seen deep in the woods? Okay, she said, taking a deep breath. Let's go get you guys to your music lesson. I'll find Hyun Woo. After the kids were safely with their music teacher, a fellow American who looked at Rachel's worried expression with questioning eyes, she mouthed at him, I'll tell you later. And then she returned outside. It was still a beautiful day, leaves skittering faintly in a soft breeze, the grass swaying with the wind. And then there was the forest, not moving at all, black, impenetrable, unforgiving. Rachel knew she should go get someone else to help look for Hyun Woo. This was beyond her pay grade. She was only 24. How could you be responsible for all this? But she was also afraid of being blamed. What if they sent her back to Texas for something that turned out to be a simple mistake, Hyun Woo walking a little too far and getting lost? Taking a deep breath, she began to walk into the woods. At first, it wasn't as bad as she expected. There was a small path, maybe a couple of feet wide, proceeding steadily with a few dips. And she had to admit that the forest was beautiful. It felt like stepping into a video game, the trees stretching high above her, rustling slightly as she moved through the green-tinted light. But then the dread set in. Looking around, she had to truly contend with how deep this forest was. It had never seemed this big from the outside. And at first, she didn't notice that the path she was on was sloping down so severely. Before she knew it, she was looking up at the trees and the path behind her, like she was in a large sunken bowl. She was so busy looking up at the trees, wondering how far down she'd walked, that the flash of red at her feet almost didn't register. Looking closely, she saw it was a piece of fabric. Maybe people got rid of their trash out here sometimes? Why did it look familiar? And then she gasped. It was scraps of Hyun Woo's jacket. Some of them were bigger than the others, the smallest ones not even dime-sized, but all of them looked like they'd been ripped apart by something strong, 
and angry. And then very faintly, she heard a scream. Heart pounding, she took off at a run down the trail. If that was Hyunwoo screaming, it sounded like something really bad was happening. And who knew how long she had before he... Before he what? Died? She couldn't think about it. The trees passed in a blur. She raced down, down, further into the thick forest, and then skidded to a stop. Hyunwoo was standing in the middle of the path unharmed. He was crying a little, but Rachel scanned his body. He had all four limbs, wasn't bleeding, and seemed fine. At least physically. Hyunwoo, she yelled, over here! Slowly, he raised his head. She expected him to look relieved, but she could only describe his expression as heartbroken, sad, disappointed. It was eerie to see on such a young face. You shouldn't have come, he whispered. I saw it. That means I have to die, not you. Hyunwoo, what are you talking about, Rachel said, her heart beating loudly. She tried to muster up a reassuring smile, but she knew it would probably look pained. Nobody has to die, she said. Nothing bad is happening. We're just in the forest. Let's go back to the classroom. It's getting chilly out here. Hyunwoo nodded, his eyes vague and glassy. It's getting chilly out here, he repeated. Eyes hurt. Eyes hurt. Eyes hurt. Hyunwoo, stop, Rachel said nervously. Each time he spoke, the air seemed to drop a couple degrees in temperature. How is that possible? Chilly eyes. Chilly eyes. He repeated. And now it seemed like it was altogether frigid outside. Rachel's breath came out in puffs in front of her face. Was she hallucinating? Had she had a seizure in front of her class and any minute now she'd wake up in the hospital an IV in her arm? Chilly eyes. He whispered his eyes wide. He seemed to be trying to tell her something without saying it. Getting that wide, pleading look kids did when they needed you to understand something. It's so chilly. Do your eyes hurt? My eyes hurt when it's chilly. I can barely keep them open. But your eyes are... Rachel started, and then she got it. There was something in the reflection of his eyes. A figure that must have been standing right behind her. Rachel watched it as it seemed to glide forward. She kept expecting it to come into focus, but it never did. It just remained amorphous. Don't turn around, he whispered. His voice pitched so low that she could hardly hear anything at all, but Rachel whipped around anyway. Hyunwoo screeched as she did so. No! And she saw it. The body that glided, the papery clothing, and the place where a face would have been, but it was only blurry skin stretched over a rubber mask that had been melted. Hyunwoo, run, she screamed, grabbing him. He was heavy, but somehow she picked him up, skidding down the path and rolling off of it into the thicket. She didn't care about the scrapes on her legs she was now getting. She didn't even notice. She had to get out of there. Behind her, she could hear a consistent rustling, a scratchy sound like dry skin rubbing against skin. Hyunwoo was crying again, and she clamped a hand over his mouth, hoping to be able to hide from that thing. She didn't know how long she ran before she reached the edge of the woods. When she came out, she realized that it was still daylight. Hyunwoo passed out in her arms. Both of them were covered in long, bloody scratches, even though she couldn't remember scratching herself on anything. Looking around, she saw that she was on the other side of the village completely. In her arms, Hyunwoo blinked woozily. My house has a red door, he said, and then his head dropped to one side and he was out again. Her limbs aching, Rachel walked to the street. There was a cluster of houses on the far end of the road and dimly she squinted at them. One of them had a red door. When she knocked, a woman opened. She recognized her as Hyunwoo's mother from their school meetings and she didn't look surprised to see them. It's Hyunwoo, she called over the shoulder, her shoulder and the teacher. Then she nodded to Rachel. You better come in. Rachel was too exhausted to protest. As she came in, Hyunwoo's mother flicked salt at the street over Rachel's shoulder. Very faintly, Rachel heard the quiet rustling that had pursued her since the forest abruptly stopped. Over tea, Hyunwoo's mother explained that Hyunwoo had been targeted for a while now. He doesn't deserve this, she said, nodding at her son, who was passed out on the couch. When he was a baby, someone tried to steal him from us at the hospital. 
We just asked to see him and the doctors were away for a long time. And then the hospital was on lockdown. We were there for hours thinking that he was dead or that the person had gotten away with him. But they found her. She was an older woman with no children of her own, working as a nurse. She had taken him in a pile of linens and put him in the laundry chute. She was going to collect him later and bring him home to be her child. I'm so sorry, Rachel said. Did she go to jail? Hyunwoo's mother shook her head. We tried to press charges, but since it wasn't violent, it was hard to prosecute. She was fired, though, and lived in squalor at the edge of the village. She didn't have any family to provide for her. Hyunwoo's mother smiled grimly. She died last year. It was two weeks before anybody found her. She looked over at her son. Hyunwoo saw her for the first time a week before her body was discovered. He said that she had no face, but he knew it was her. For the first time, Rachel noticed a small amulet that Hyunwoo wore around it, her, uh, her, his neck. His mother tapped it and said, Now all we can do is try our best to keep him safe. I'm sorry we didn't tell you. We didn't think you'd believe us. Rachel left her house that day not knowing what to believe. As soon as she was outside, Hyunwoo's mother popped out to speak with her, shutting the door behind her. She had tears in her eyes. You have now too been marked for death. Everyone who sees the egg ghost is marked for death. Rachel didn't know what to say. Her mouth hung open like she was about to start talking, but she couldn't think of what words to speak. Hyunwoo's mother handed her an amulet. It looked almost identical to the one her son wore. This is your only chance, and you should leave now. Go home. Maybe across the ocean it won't be able to find you. Rachel still uh, stood still in shocked silence as Hyunwoo's mother walked back into her home and shut the door. Part of her wanted to think that this was all some sort of fever dream, something she'd imagined, but she had the scratches on her arms, the dirt cake to her sneakers, and when she returned to school, there was a note asking where she had been that, that afternoon, and if she needed to leave for an emergency, she needed to talk to the administration. Rachel put in her two weeks' notice that day, and she would leave the village a month later. The month she remained, she did her best to never even look at the forest. She also never left her home after the sun went down. She felt bad for Hyunwoo. She wished she could take him with her. After making it back to the States, she never tried to contact him. She was too worried that she'd hear that he had died, that the egg ghost had finished what it started that day in the woods. Yeek. That's not what I was expecting. Yeah? What yeah. Were you, what were you expecting? It, it, uh, it, it to get her? A giant, him? a giant scrambled egg chasing me through the woods? <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't know. Why the egg ghost? I, well, I'll show you some pictures. Okay. And uh, it'll make a little bit more sense, I think. Okay. Uh, this first one is just the uh, the mountains, the uh, oh my God, Tibet that is mountains. So pretty. Yeah, it looks really beautiful. This next picture is even better with like the fog around them. This is another cool book, the cool pics. Excuse me, the same mountain range. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that looks like out of a movie. And then, okay, this next one is creepy depiction of South Korea's egg ghost, aka the Dolgyeol Guishun. That is so creepy. Mm-hmm. And it does kind of, it's like they have an egg for a head with hair on it. Yeah, like an, yeah, an oval just face. smooth. Just a, yeah, 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 Just like yeah. a smooth, pretty smooth. Like, And then here's just another pic of a, of a faceless ghost, somebody else's depiction of uh, uh, what the egg ghost would look like. It, it is so creepy because it's like, it's not, it doesn't look like a mannequin. It's like you can almost, you feel like if you stare at that long enough that like eyes right. will start to form or like it, it because there's soft indentations where the eye socket is and a uh, a slight it appears that it's slightly raised like where the nose is or uh, it has just enough facial characteristics for being just a smooth <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah 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 ah yeah it almost sounded vampiric in nature the way it said it like it would mm. suck its life out of you I mean it doesn't bite you but mm -hmm. they're just like like what just like 
removes the life force from you. I don't know. Yeah, there's not really like a concrete depiction of exactly what that means. And do they only live in the forest in the woods? I, I couldn't... No, it said mostly. Mostly, mostly. seen there. But uh, yeah, a lot of mystery around this one. Like, I don't think anybody really knows like where this folklore when it started. Yeah, where this where this ghost um, story origin story kind of came from. Right. But I I do like like uh, you know the the Korean Peninsula, yeah. Japan, some of those countries in Asia. Like they have such rich horror folklore. I, what does that stem from? Do they just love a good tale? I mean, I uh, there is I think in a lot of these. I mean, uh, like with the 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 temples and stuff, like ancestor worship. Mm -hmm. Like there's a that's more common over there, mm -hmm. where you know you um as opposed to like uh, oh I think about like uh, the ancient Greeks or something where they would pay you know tributes to the various gods and they'd leave little offerings you know mm -hmm. for them at like little shrines. Kind of like that, but instead of some random detached, you know, deity, it's like your grandfather, your right. grandmother. Um, and, I, and I'd have to like refresh to like explain it, you know, better than that. Yeah, but you think but, it but, but stems I think, from I think, that. I think that leads to a stronger belief in ghosts. Or in that, the afterlife at the that, very least. Yeah, they, like your family, when they pass, they're, they're still around you. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's, there's more of that over there, mm -hmm. which, you know does sound like ghosts yeah and, yeah and somehow out of that uh i think there's kind of like morph like well if you die if you led this kind of life and died then you could come back as this kind of ghost and yeah if you die lived this kind of life and died or if somebody betrayed you mm -hmm. uh or betrayed your legacy in life after you died you'd come back and get them in this way mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay okay i'm into that yeah ghosts are much more part of like uh the culture over there i know seems like it, it does seem like it because here it's just kind of like poo poo shut up <laughs> Yeah, more fringy here. I mean, yeah. I mean, we're into horror movies over here. Yes. And I think there's more people who like on the sly believe in that kind of stuff. But we don't have like um, different subsets of ghosts. Right. Like, like, you know, we have like um, from like, you know, literature, like like with werewolves yeah. and vampires, which you can find. But we don't have like all these little ghost variations that I find mm -hmm. so interesting over there. Mm -hmm. I like it. Mm -hmm, me too. That's a great story. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I found it pretty entertaining. Yep, yep, yep. Are you ready to leave Korean folklore behind now for a more traditional American haunted house? Take me away. We head to Salem, home of America's most infamous witch trials, right after this sponsor break. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and... Producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car or a house. It's the four wheels that get you where you're going and the four walls that welcome you home. When you combine auto and home insurance with Amica, we'll help protect it all. And the more you cover, the more you can save. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. Thanks for listening to those sponsored deals, creeps, and peepers. Okay, decent amount of history. Not a ton, but a little bit to cover before we get to this story's scares. It's best scares. Uh, the House of Seven Gables in Salem, Massachusetts, formerly known as the Turner Ingersoll Mansion, is one of the oldest homes in the United States. 
sea captain and merchant, John Turner, had this house constructed back in 1668. And then his family would live in the seaside mansion for the next three generations. The mansion was originally just a two-room, two-and-a-half-story house with a large projecting front porch and a big central chimney. A few years after the original build, the Turners added a kitchen lean-to. By 1676, Turner had added a front extension with a parlor and a bedchamber. And at one point, the house had seven magnificent gables. Gosh. The Turner family would sell the home to Captain Samuel Ingersoll in 1782, and the Ingersoll family made several additional renovations in line with current architectural needs or trends. Ingersoll died at sea and left the house to his daughter, Susanna, in the early 19th century. Susanna was cousins with famed author Nathaniel Hawthorne. And Hawthorne's visits to see her and the home inspired his 1851 novel, The House of Seven Gables. Oh, yeah. Even though by the 19th century, the house retained only three of the original seven gables, fitting with current design trends again. Susanna gave her cousin Hawthorne a tour and told him about the house's history. He was inspired by the sound of seven gables and wrote in a letter, the expression was new and struck me forcibly. I think I shall make something of it. And then he did. Uh, Caroline Emerton, a philanthropist and preservationist, would purchase the mansion from the Ingersoll family in 1908, and she would turn the home into the House of Seven Gables Association Museum. And with the help of an architect, she restored the house to what it looked like in the 1600s, and it remains a museum today. In recent years, old secrets of the house have been revealed to the public. The Turners, perhaps due to the paranoia surrounding the Salem witch trials, likely worried that the women in their family would be accused of witchcraft at some point, had a hidden staircase constructed behind the fireplace. Nathaniel Hawthorne wrote about that staircase in his 1851 novel, but the real staircase wasn't rediscovered until 2016. Whoa! And it wasn't the only secret area of the old house. A hidden dining room chamber and so-called accounting room were also rediscovered in 2016 after centuries of being lost. Uh, almost centuries, over a century. Not so recently, reports began to surface that the old home, uh, the old home full of secrets, is not surprisingly also very haunted. For over a century at least, visitors and staff have reported seeing silhouettes and shadows. Some have even claimed to have seen and heard the ghost of a little boy playing near the attic. According to supposed sightings, the little boy's footsteps are heard scurrying across the attic floor, and he's heard laughing and giggling, typically during the day. Um. And some venturing up to the attic, hoping to get a look, good look at the source of all these noises, have claimed to actually briefly see the ghostly form of the little boy uh, before he inexplicably vanishes. The attic seems to be a paranormal hotspot in the old building. Visitors have reported feeling anxious and disoriented when they've dared to explore it, dizzy even, and many have claimed to experience the distinct feeling of being watched. The attic was formerly the servant's quarters. It's possible that the little boy was once the son of a servant who died in the home and then never moved on from the house. One of the most famous spirits of the house is said to be the ghost of Susanna Ingersoll, known to watch visitors and turn both faucets and lights on and off. Susanna has occasionally been seen walking down the halls and peeking out the windows. And now for a more detailed alleged encounter with the home's spirits. Time now for the tale of a strange attic morning. Libby could hardly see as she drove to the house. A thick fog had come rolling in early that morning, covering everything in a cloudy gray blanket that made it difficult to drive. Her headlights only illuminated what was directly in front of her. She'd already had two near misses with a stop sign and a squirrel. Libby breathed a sigh of relief when she parked in the house's narrow driveway. She exited her car, locked up, and approached the house's main door. The house of seven gables, she thought to herself, trying to remember the plot of the famous novel. Libby was a little nervous. It would be her first time here all alone. 
It was a Saturday morning. Livy was volunteering for the Preservation Society, trying to get in all her volunteer hours before college application season. She unlocked the main door and it creaked as it swung open, reminding her of the house's advanced age. Libby clutched her key tightly in her hand as she made a quick inspection of the lower floor, although rare she'd been informed that people had broken into the house before. Not today. All clear. Libby pulled out yet another key to access a small closet. Inside were all the cleaning materials she needed. Her job was to spend the early morning hours dusting and sweeping. No easy task. She'd volunteer for this job because it could get her the boost she needed to get into some very selective schools, and she preferred working alone in the house over some other more social form of volunteering. It was early, she began even before the sun was up, but she could pop in her headphones and listen to whatever new playlist she'd made to quickly pass the time. She'd be out and gone before anybody else showed up. Libby got started immediately. The faster everything was clean, the sooner she'd be done, top to bottom, as she'd been instructed. So she headed to the very top, the attic. Stepping into the old room gave her a distinctly eerie feeling. It was odd knowing she was all alone in the house. She almost felt like she was being watched, but brushed the feeling aside. Libby pulled out her extended duster, got to work on the beams, sniffling and coughing as the dust got into her eyes and throat. She paused when she got to the window. The thick fog still covered everything, but Libby could see the dark ocean off in the distance. She stopped for a moment to think about just how old the house was. She was standing on over 350 years of history. She wondered what exactly had lived here throughout the centuries. What were they like? She ran her fingers along the windowsill, imagining that Susanna Ingersoll or one of the Turner ladies had done the same thing themselves centuries ago. Libby looked back out the window. The fog seemed thicker now, completely blocking her view of the outside world. Just her and the house. Back to work, she thought to herself, eager to finish as quickly as possible. Libby spun around and now gasped as she felt her feet slip out from under her. She felt herself going down and braced for impact. But the next second, she was standing upright, back in the same exact place, facing out the window her fingers still placed on the windowsill. She shook her head, trying to clear the confusion and disorientation from her body. Was she feeling lightheaded? She'd eaten breakfast, but maybe not enough, and now her blood sugar was crashing? Shh, she heard behind her. Libby jumped and turned around, then did a double take. There was a little boy standing in front of her, clear as day. His eyes glinted with mischief. A grin brightened his face. He was dressed in strange clothes, old, almost like a costume. Libby was still in shock from her near fall, and now the little boy was in front of her. How did he even get there? Libby opened her mouth to speak. Shh, he said again, putting a finger in front of his lips. Then he giggled and ran down the stairs. Libby took a step forward to go after him, but once again she felt herself falling backwards. She straightened a moment later, shaking off the strange feeling of not being in control of her body. What was going on? Why was she experiencing sudden lightheadedness? Vertigo? If that was so, it would be new for her. Libby turned away from the window again and froze. Now a woman stood at the door of the attic. She held a lantern in one hand, raised up near her head. She was wearing an old long dress. Her hair was tied up beneath a white bonnet. She was young, near Libby's age, but her face had a maturity to it only brought about by life experience. Surprisingly, Libby did not feel threatened by the stranger in the house. She could see the kindness in the woman's eyes. The figure smiled at Libby and waved her hand, turning around and indicating she should follow. Libby, possessed by an urge she didn't understand, took a step forward. She descended the attic stairs, following the strange woman all the way to the living room fireplace. Libby tried to reach out and tap the woman on the shoulder to ask if she was perhaps a volunteer, an actor, just some random tourist intruding in on the house. But her hand passed right through her. Libby screamed and jumped back, only to be sent careening backwards yet again. When she righted herself again, she was somehow back up in the attic. 
She looked out the window, brushed her hand along the windowsill. The fog was gone. It was light out. The sun shone down in the neighborhood outside. She could clearly see the ocean waves against the shore. The side in the attic was clean enough. She grabbed her things and moved down the stairs, locking the door behind her with a now shaking hand. Had she passed out? The previous hour or so had passed in what felt like a few minutes. Libby thought about rushing home, but she still felt too wobbly to drive. She also didn't feel like she was in any danger, just confused. And she was feeling steadier and steadier by the moment. So she finished cleaning the rest of the house without incident, deciding that she had just had a strange episode of vertigo, assuring herself that she hadn't actually seen anything, that time hadn't actually mysteriously gone unaccounted for. She did a deep dive on the house that night and learned that she wasn't the only one who had witnessed strange things inside the old home. She had previously brushed off the rumors that the house was haunted, but now she was certain that it was. Luckily, it didn't seem haunted by anything malevolent. It was just strange. She still wonders who that little boy was, who the young woman was, and why they still dwell inside the house of Seven Gables. And also, where did she go during all those minutes she has no memory of? So weird. Yeah, the, I like that. The like, like, oh, is she like in a loop or something? Like, kind of falling down, but not? I know, that, that, that uh, detail of the story didn't remind me of any detail I'd heard in a previous story that weird I think it happened to her three times maybe where yeah she she falls yeah and then pops up right back by the windowsill yeah it's like very like Alice in Wonderland like down the rabbit hole kind of like what's happening where am I going uh-huh just so confusing and like yeah what what just happened but then like gets distracted by the little boy yeah and then it happens again then the lady goes downstairs goes to you know reach reach for her hand pass and then pops and she's back up by the windowsill I, uh, and, so feel, and feels lightheaded like a little dizzy yeah 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 I wonder if like a ghost was trying to show her something like kind of like possessing her body for a minute, trying to. Yeah. The time lapse. Yeah. Would freak me out. Absolutely. Yeah. Where was I? I'd be checking myself after that. I like, know. Bruises, scratches. Well, and just like anything. Watching the clock so diligently at all times. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, I'm at the grocery store. It's one o'clock. <laughs> right. I come back right. to the car and it's all of a sudden like 2.30. I'd be like, wait, what? Yep. Yeah. Yes, sir. And at the beginning of that story, did a light go out in here? I saw you looking around. I didn't notice it. Logan, did you see that? I didn't see anything from out here. Okay. That was like the strangest thing. I was sitting here and all of a sudden, I knew, I got like obsessed. I was like, what is happening? Yeah. I thought for sure one of the overhead lights went out, but I like a, a like a flash, like a, a dark, like sort of like, uh, well, just like a light going out. And then I thought I saw something drop from the ceiling, like a, huh. like a black, like shadow kind of like, I thought maybe like a, one of like the soundproof panels fell down or something. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess not. Okay. I'll have to watch the footage later. It was the strangest <laughs> thing. I was like, what is happening? So I kept, I was looking around because I was checking all the lights. I'm like, a light had to have gone off somewhere. Also, what am I seeing falling down from the ceiling? And it got, yeah. I mean, it's cold in here, but then it got really, really cold. And I was like, mm -hmm. I do not like this. <laughs> yeah, I very, saw you getting a little twitchy. I know. I was not having it. Uh, I have a few pictures. Ooh, okay. Mm -hmm. Cool looking old house. You know, this first one's just- i uh, put some selenite in my pocket just for safety. This first one's, uh, yeah, just a picture of Salem's House of Seven Gables. Oh, that's not what I was expecting. You know, it's been remodeled and restored many times over the years. Uh, yeah, I mean, it just looks like a very modern house, actually, uh -huh. since they painted it black as well. Uh, this next one is uh, inside the attic. So obviously it looks a lot older here. You can see the old bones of the house. I love that Abby was like, yeah, no, I'm totally fine just going and cleaning this house by myself. <laughs> yeah, big attic, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not what you would think of. I mean, it's more like a giant room, like, mm -hmm. a, like a bedroom with... Uh, 
that just accesses the peak or the gable of the house. Yeah. Not like a musty, Mm-mm. sort of like your crouch down kind of thing. No, totally. Uh, and then this next picture is the recently rediscovered staircase. I have so many questions about how you... the attic. I have so many questions about how you lose a staircase. And then this next one, a room called the Great Chamber, restored to appear as it looked in 1720. Cool. Yeah, yeah. That wasn't uh, made clear in the little local news articles I read. Yeah. But it's, you know, it was like, it was a private home for many years and it was remodeled and remodeled. And it sounds like they just sealed off uh, during one of the remodels for reasons unknown a portion of the house. And that isn't the first time I remember like, well, that Banff hotel we talked about a while back where the owners didn't realize there was that one room for various reasons. Sometimes like rooms do get sealed off and I just often don't know why, like, why would you choose to do that? I mean, I guess like in my logical brain, my non like paranormal leaning brain, I'm like, oh, well maybe there was like a mold infestation or something. And it was just Mm. easier to like abate it and then shut it down. Like, I I don't know. Or like maybe there were like electrical issues or the configuration of the house didn't make sense. So it was like, well, if we just eliminate this room or this space, but a staircase. Well, in the secret staircase, I mean, why it was built was to have, it it wasn't the only way to access the attic. It was an additional way to access it. And it sounds like it was like if an angry mob was rushing over to the house because yes. of some witch trial nonsense or something like that. It was a way for you to quickly sneak people up to the attic. And then I imagine if uh, somebody comes up into the attic to look for them uh, right. with the only staircase that they know about, mm-hmm. if you could quietly slip back down that staircase, you know, if there was some kind of like facade in the wall, yeah, you yeah. could move, it would just be a place to hide. And then maybe that 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 room, that one seat, well, there was two seat rooms that were sealed off. And I don't know what was going on there, but I like your thought of, Maybe there were some safety concerns. Maybe there was mm-hmm. something going on there and they just didn't feel like dealing with it. They didn't need the space and just like sealed it off, which I do still think is weird. I do think it's weird. But then I was like, okay, maybe it's like a fire thing where it was like, well, yeah. if we block off this room, I guess I would feel better if they were like, oh, well, uh, we discovered this room and it was packed full of... Uh, I don't know, like something like like some sort of like fire retardant or it was like had like cement walls or that we found like these yeah. old electrical wires. And it, it was obvious that like, OK, they had to cut off power to this room because there was this issue and they couldn't figure it out without doing that. So it just made more sense to just get rid of it. Like, yeah. I, I need more explanation than like, yeah, we just there. we just decided we don't need that room. Yeah, totally. Or the, the stairs is what kills me, because also like without having blueprints of the house, I'm just thinking about our house. Mm hmm. If, if I was looking at our house from the outside and then like, I, I'm like, well, what's over there? You know, like it just, yeah, I know where every inch of our house is, right? Like I yeah. know like all the rooms I can like close my eyes and think about it. It's like, wouldn't you be like in some room thinking like, well, if I'm in this room and Dan's in that room, like that room's not that big and this room isn't that big. So like, huh, that's strange. Like these two walls don't touch or something. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like not, a sh- it, it just is weird. It is weird. I mean, it'd have to be a bigger house, which it seems to be in like yeah, little, little twists and turns. Um, I don't know that I would necessarily notice that stuff. I mean, I, I did go into a house with a secret room once many years ago. Whose house? Oh, it's a, it's, it's a crazy story. Oh uh, boy. It's, um, well, I mean, it's not we that We can one. talk about it later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, but it was like it, from the outside, it looked normal. Yeah. From the inside, it looked normal. Mm-hmm. And then in this guest room, in the closet, pushed aside some clothes. There was a, it was a false wall. Yeah. Slid that aside. You crawled through there and got to this totally secret room that was about, I don't know, 12 feet by 10 feet, something like that. Maybe a little bigger. Yeah. Maybe a little bigger, 10 by 16 or something. And you, and I was like, oh, weird. I would have never put that together. 
Yeah, I guess that makes sense to me. Like in in that, it was hard to access. Yeah. Right. Like it. Like very very hidden. But a staircase just feels like such a monumental piece of a house. Yeah. Like it's it takes up so much space. Like if you're if you're putting stairs into a house or like you know, uh, it, it just you need double the space to yeah. create a staircase, right? Because you've got to. I, I don't know. I think I'm, about not, I'm, I'm not doing well with words yeah, on this. I think, but I'm I think just, about like, a lot of those homes we've seen in New Orleans it. and places where they would have uh, homes that were very old back when you know there was still like slavery, and they would have these servants' quarters. There yes. was often uh, duplicates of everything. There was the main stairway, mm-hmm. and then there was the servants' stairway, and then there was like all these like little kind of small servants' quarters. Yeah, and I think in some of those like places, I think they would eventually like. Well, we don't need this extra little stairway, and mm-hmm. they would seal them off. And they were so narrow and stuff, you wouldn't really notice it. Just the way those houses were constructed with lots of little rooms and yeah. t- twisting staircases all around. I guess, yeah, in my mind, I'm going back to, uh, what is it, Oak Alley Plantation in New Orleans that we visited one time with the kids. Sounds and familiar. it's like, you know, this giant old plantation house. And it did have like a very tiny, very narrow back staircase. And there was a very small bathroom i want to say in the back that was like the lady of the house's bathroom but it was where the servants would come to bathe her like Mm. but it was narrow hallways and stuff too yeah like so private Mm -hmm. i don't know yeah who knows i don't know but 2016 i mean that's a long time to keep it hidden yeah that's that's crazy 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 all right well you ready for a little bit more i am okay so werewolves okay okay werewolves now have you told us a werewolf story uh yes it has been a while, but I have. Okay, because I was trying to like rack my brain thinking like, hmm, I know I hadn't told a werewolf story that I could think of. Like definitely we've had some like questionable creatures, but I cannot think of one time somebody being like, and it was a werewolf. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, I can't recall right the, now. The most closest thing was like, what do they call it? The deer? It, but the, oh, it's the... Uh, the doer? Uh, the doer? Nope, nope, nope. No, uh, uh... I'll, I'll think about it. Yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. Think yeah. About it. But that was like the closest thing that I could possibly think of of a story that we had uh, somewhere within the last six months where like a young man went to stay with his grandfather. Yeah. Uh, his grandfather. Skinwalker. Oh, no, I wasn't thinking of a skinwalker. Oh, okay. Um, but, uh, you know, it's like a, it's a two-legged deer. I guess it could be a skinwalker. Skin, that is a skin, skinwalker. Well, but uh, the people call it other things as well. Yeah, there's like regional different like versions of that. Oh, yeah, I wasn't thinking of it because the story was like the doer or the deer, like deer or D-O-E-R. Yeah, I don't know, but okay, sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just like a that was yeah. like a crazy story, and that was the closest to like some forest creaturey thing that is. I, I don't want to say mythological, but something I've certainly never seen and didn't know a whole lot about. Mm-hmm. So, werewolves. Yeah. Any last thoughts about? I don't. I don't have. Yeah. Okay. You're being so, very strange. No, sorry. I feel like you're. I'm um, trying to get information that I don't have for me. No, so I'm just trying to get your opinion to... about werewolves. What about them? Like, what do you think? Like, possible, not possible? Um, like, scares you? Like, the idea of, like, this, like, possible creature that could be roaming the forests? Yeah, I mean, uh, sorry, just, like, pulling this out of my butt. You know, you can just say, no, I don't have any thoughts. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't have any thoughts right now. I, I have thoughts on werewolves. I got, no, I got nothing for you right now for whatever okay. reason. Sorry. All right. Well, then let's <laughs> move on. All right. Hello, all. This submission, I hope this submission finds you well. Full disclosure, the story I'm sending to you is not from my own encounter, but from my dad's. I was young when this encounter happened and only was told about it just a few years ago as an adult in my 30s. In hearing the story, I was able to piece together a strange puzzle I had remembered from my childhood, and it sent chills down my spine. 
I've stopped telling people this story because when I do, they look at me like I'm crazy for believing such nonsense. To me, this isn't nonsense, but a person can only be teased about something for so long before they say, forget it and stop trying to explain. My dad did the same, as he told me years later, for the exact same reason. I've only been listening to your podcast for a few days, and I've yet to hear a story quite like this one. I haven't gotten too far, though, through your audio library, so that doesn't mean much right now, but even though this isn't necessarily a ghost encounter, I think you'll appreciate it, and the listeners will as well. When I was young, up until about 10 or so, my family lived in a very rural area about an hour's drive from the town where my brothers and I went to school and my parents worked. We took the drive daily, and even as a child, I enjoyed the scenery of forests on both sides of desolate roads. It was calming and gave me an all-around warm feeling inside. We would see the occasional deer, maybe even a bobcat or a wolf wandering near the road, but nothing like what this story will bring. There was a close family friend who owned a farm a few miles down the road from our house. He and my dad had been friends since childhood, and it wasn't uncommon to find me and my brothers at the farm on the weekends playing with the animals in the small petting zoo that he kept for the kids in the area. And this was nice because really there wasn't much else to do in the sticks. One day, my dad got a call from his friend asking if he could come over. He had something he needed to show him. He asked if he wanted... My dad asked if we wanted to come with him, knowing it was a definite yes. But when we got there, my dad's friend was waiting by the main gate. Now, I knew this man well. He always had a smile on his face. I used to call him Old McDonald because of how happy and cheerful he was at all times. However, this time when I saw him, he looked like he had seen a ghost. There was no smile, and his face was so white. It almost looked like he had makeup on. When he saw me and my brothers win the car, I saw him swallow hard, and hang his head before walking up to the truck. Ah, I forgot to tell you, to leave the kids at home, he said looking straight at my dad, but not at us. Oh, I can run them back home really quick, my dad said, and that immediately set off a chorus of frustration from the back seat because we thought we were going to play at the farm, and now we were being forced to leave. After taking us back home, my dad stayed gone for a few hours. I'll never forget when he finally came back home, he wore the same face as his childhood friend, white and expressionless. Closing the door, he glanced at me but walked with intent to my mother and told her to come with him. My brothers and I were curious and ran quickly to listen through the door when we heard it shut down the hallway. The only thing I could make out was that my dad didn't want me or my brothers over at the farm anymore and we weren't allowed to go outside after sunset again. They never told us why and we hated them for it. Fast forward 20 years or so, my parents are long divorced and my dad has remarried, still living in the sticks while I had moved into the city years before. I would spend the occasional weekend with him to spend time with my newest brother and sister, whom my mom, whom my stepmom brought into our family. One Friday, it was especially dark when my dad picked me up and we started the drive to their house in the country. The darkness paired with the fact that we were, that there were no other cars around began giving me a chilling, uneasy feeling I couldn't shake. I guess I forgot how creepy it can be out here in the dark, I said. He let out a half chuckle that I could tell had a story behind it. I wasn't going to ask, but my comment seemed to have created this edgy silence between us. All right, what does that mean? I laughed a bit. My dad shook his head. Nothing. It's stupid. Stupid? Well, now you have to tell me, I said, looking at him and not at the road. At first, he refused, but I kept on until he finally agreed to tell me. He let out a big sigh. Remember when we lived in that house by Jim's farm? 
I thought it was strange he asked me that, considering there was no way I could have forgotten going to that farm almost every weekend to see the animals. Yeah? What about it? Well, did I ever tell you why we stopped going over there? I don't think so. I knew he hadn't, and I'm sure he did too. Well, he paused, Jim was losing animals. Okay. My mind went straight to runaway horses or pigs and goats wandering into the woods, but I realized quickly that wasn't the kind of loss he meant. What happened to them? My dad pursed his lips and reluctantly answered me. They were being mutilated. My face grimaced. Mutilated? By what, like another animal? My dad shrugged his shoulders. I I don't know, but if I tell you what I think, you're going to lock me up somewhere. No, I won't. What was it or what do you think it was? He took a long pause, then breathed in deep and exhaled to prepare himself to say the words. I think it was a werewolf. My face went blank. I decided I couldn't decide how to react. It seemed absurd, but my dad wasn't the kind of guy to put himself out there to be vulnerable in that way. I realized he was side-eyeing me, waiting for what I would have to respond with. You're serious. You, what makes you think it could have been a werewolf? Well, I saw it. I could feel my body tense up all of a sudden. I drew my head back, and the dark night seemed darker and spookier than I'd ever felt it before. My dad could tell I wasn't going to answer, and so he continued. About two months after Jim's animals started coming up slaughtered, I saw it on the road on my way home from work. My dad was an entertainer-slash-bartender on the weekends when I was young. He worked in the city and wouldn't get off until after the bars closed at 2 a.m. I sat still in silence. I was driving home, and something came out of the woods. It walked towards the road about 500 feet from my truck. I got closer and closer, and the thing stepped further out into the road. I had to slam on my brakes so I wouldn't hit the damn thing, and it just stared at me. It was definitely a werewolf. I didn't know what to say. My dad looked shooken up just remembering the night, and I was feeling shook too, wondering, can this be real? Well, what did it look like? I didn't know what else to ask. My dad laughed tensely at my question. It looked like a fucking werewolf. It was a giant wolf walking on two legs with long arms. It had to be at least nine or ten feet tall. D would have had to look straight up at it. My brother, Doug, is the tallest in our immediate family. He inherited my grandfather's height at 6'5", when no one else in our family made it past 5'9". It just stood there looking at me with these wild yellow eyes. They looked like they were glowing or something. I mean, I guess they were reflecting off my headlights. I I don't know. My dad started shaking his head, trying to shrug it off. I was intrigued now, nervous too, but mostly intrigued. I never thought I would hear a story like this from anyone, especially not my dad. What makes you think it killed Jim's animals? He laughed again tensely. You should have seen these animals. There were giant bites ripped out of them. I'd never seen anything like it. Even Pearl, the cow, was ripped apart and chunks were just gone. It made me sick when I saw it. There was blood everywhere, just everywhere. I don't know what else it could have been. Well, what happened then? What did you do when you saw it, Dad? I guess we were there for about 10 seconds or so, and then it turned and walked the rest of the way across the road and into the woods. I never saw it again. I told your mom about it, but she tried to say I was drunk at work, coming home from work. He paused. I wasn't, and I know what I saw. I could tell my dad was getting defensive. Even though they had been married for over 15 years with three kids, my parents had never really cared much for each other. The whole family took a sigh of relief when they announced their plans to get a divorce. Knowing how my mom had treated my dad back then, I could understand his frustration. I've only told a handful of people about it, and they all think I'm crazy. It got to where I just started keeping it to myself. Honestly, the only one who ever believed me was Jim, and now you know why. 
Well, I believe you, Dad. I don't know. Uh, I don't think you would make something like that up for no reason. And I also know that if you were drunk enough to make up something like that, you wouldn't have tried to drive home in the first place. My dad smiled big, mm-hmm. but he tried to hide it. My words had been comforting. Thanks, baby. Surprisingly, even though I thought it would at the time, hearing my dad's story didn't deter me from my love of the woods. I still like to visit his house and spend time with the other families or friends who live in the remote wooded areas. And actually, I found his story quite titillating, albeit frightening and cautionary. I've never experienced anything similar to my dad's encounter or even the other encounters you speak of in your podcast. But maybe one day, let's just say if I don't, I won't be upset. Werewolves, ghosts, aliens, I believe they all exist among us in one way or the other. And I'm not embarrassed that I'm a believer, but I don't like to be mocked. So I keep it mainly to myself. And this is why I love the podcast. It makes me feel a little less aloof and a little more accepted, even if I haven't met you or the other storytellers. Thanks for making my workdays so much more interesting. I hope you enjoyed this story. Thank you, Anonymous. Yeah. Yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, werewolves, I mean, they're... I have so many mixed feelings. I, like, like I remember doing like I did an episode on Time Suck about oh, werewolves, yeah. but it was a long time ago, so that's why I'm struggling to recall things. Oh yeah, it's okay. I wasn't looking for facts. Oh yeah, yeah. I was like, dang it! I wish I would have talked to you before the show and known that werewolves are. I would have primed my brain. It's okay. Um, well, then it like removes the element of surprise. Yeah, totally. Um, but there are like you know versions of skinwalker werewolves. You know, like uh, stories of. People who turn into some form of an animal, typically a, like a, a wolf or a larger predator, mm-hmm. and then go back. There's, you know, so many cultures around the world have their version of that story. And it's been around, I mean, as long as we have have had stories, essentially. Yeah. And so there are like, you know, so many encounter situations like this. You know, one one part of my brain is like, well, why can't like a lab ever recreate it or something? But oh, then, like, okay. why can't, you know, they get a hold of one of these people? But, mm-hmm. uh, but I guess let's say you are one of these things. Um, maybe you can choose not to do it or you wouldn't want to have your secret revealed. I don't know. I have so many different thoughts in my brain. Yeah. And I'm, you know, open to ghosts and stuff. So I don't know why, you know, I shouldn't be open to this, which I am. It's uh, basically like, okay, if I had to choose, you get to see a werewolf or you get to see a ghost. Mm-hmm. I would pick a ghost. Oh. Because I feel like way more people would be open to believing my ghost story. Got it, got it. I feel like it'd be kind of a torturous experience, like her dad, yeah. uh, to see a werewolf because it's just a big ask of people. Right. It's sort of like saying, like, do you believe in Sasquatch? Right. That's a, yeah, exactly. You know, like akin to like, do you believe? But, you know, it's like I, I, I've probably been a while since I've shared this story here, but I had a teacher in high school and his one odd story, he wasn't somebody always telling crazy stories. Um, he was a, a history and social studies teacher, seemed like a pretty rational guy, pretty smart guy. And I had that opinion. I maintained that opinion after meeting him many times after school, mm-hmm. but his one weird story. And he laughed as he told it. He's just like, I just don't know what happened was he was hunting around Riggins. He was, you know, looking down this ridge and the, and the way that the geography is around there, there's these mountains that are pretty barren. So you can see for a long time, there's they're not heavily covered in trees, very mm-hmm. sparse. In fact, and so down this like grassy ridge, a couple hundred yards down there, there was a little like cabin that somebody had. Oh yeah. And he saw this, what he thought was a dude at first, but kind of walking weird Yeah. and just seemed too broad and I don't know, furry for lack of a better term, <laughs> didn't seem like a person. And he just remembered that it walked up to that little cabin and then its head was taller than the roof. And then it left, walked off, you know, and he's watching this from his, you know, perch where he has waiting with his rifle. I think he was hunting elk. Goes down there uh, later to explore that because he was so curious, like, what happened there? Looking yeah. for prints or something. 
And he just said that the the roof, I believe, was about eight or nine feet tall by his estimate. And that thing was taller than that. That's wild. And you just never been able to reconcile like what the hell that was. Yeah. I mean, because I'm sure like if you're him, you're thinking like, okay, that must be another hunter and they're trying yeah. to blend in. So they've like, I don't know, donned like other yeah. uh, like like animal fur, like as a camouflage. Right. But that doesn't make sense for that area. It's like yeah. it's entirely unnecessary to behave in such a way. Yeah. Yeah. The werewolf thing is tricky because it's like. I I don't know that I would mock anybody for believing anything. Yeah. After all these years of doing this show, like if you would have talked to me pre scared to death, right. I probably would have been like get the fuck out of here. That's insane. I That's obnoxious. But yeah. then this story from especially from a person who's like the the vibe I get from this story is like I know this sounds nuts and my dad totally. thinks it's nuts and and much like your teacher, it's like this one story, this one thing. Yeah, how do I explain this? How do I explain this? And then like the fact that he has, it seems like he has a little bit of um, corroboration from right. Jim, the farmer. And it's like, and, and he stopped telling the story. <laughs> right, he didn't become right. the become the guy at the end of the bar with yeah. this like tall tale. And they're like, oh, that's just, you know, Doug and his like, oh, okay. It's like, no, like he kept yeah. it to himself. He's, he's maybe even a little embarrassed by it. And I love that some people were blaming like, oh, you must have been drunk. It's like, I've been plenty drunk plenty of times in my life. Yeah, I've you never. Don't, you don't get werewolf drunk. <laughs> Like you, you don't get you don't get so drunk that you're like I see a giant furry man with yellow eyes. It's like that's right. not how alcohol works. No, works. if you if they if he had said like I was tripping balls on yeah. acid shrooms like some sort of psychedelic yep. type drug. If you were but, like me and you took too many Benadryl, which also makes me hallucinate. It's but like not alcohol. Not alcohol. If anything, you pass yeah. out when you're drunk. Yeah, you can't Coors Light your way. <laughs> into that type of paranormal experience. No, no, no. I don't think so either. So yeah, I just thought it was like really fascinating. And, and I guess maybe yeah. her dad isn't super familiar with the paranormal. So I suppose there's the chance that it could be a skinwalker. But that's just like another, to me, that's just another form of the same story. It's just more yeah. folklore. And it's still this thing, much like ghosts, that we just yeah. can't prove. Yeah, and, and the skinwalker, and, yeah, and, when, and I was talking earlier about like different names, there are uh, amongst, you know, North American indigenous peoples, a variety of different terms for essentially the same creature. Mm -hmm. Some kind of, they were a person, but now they're this other entity that shifts back and forth between a wolf and a person, yeah. a deer and a person, a fox and a person, whatever, yeah. which is the same kind. It's just, it's just like um, these people's version of the werewolf tale. And there's yeah. like wolf men stories that come from like, you know, Norse and Gaelic, you know, kind uh -huh. of nations and stuff in Europe. And yeah, it, it all could be, if, if there is this creature out there, it could all be the same creature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just everybody's version of that creature. Yeah, in my mind too, I think like, why does it have to morph back and forth or just because it stands on two legs, like why does it have to be part man? But yeah, it also could just be like a, a, a Sasquatch type thing out there. Yeah, just like some creature that we're just not aware right. of yet that maybe it's nocturnal and yep. people rarely see it or it's like, I don't Because there's that lore too. There's lore of like giants essentially. Mm -hmm. Like many, many cultures around the world have their own tales of beast-like giant people. yeah. I don't know, but I, I loved that story. Yeah, thought, me too. Me was, too. Well put together. Exactly. Well put together and it didn't feel far-fetched, which I think can be the problem with a lot of tales like that, where it's mm -hmm. like, if you try to make it bigger than it is or make it scarier than it is, it just has this feeling of, of okay. But it's right. like, this is just so like, I, I don't know. Yeah. Very and pared it, down. Dad had this one time, and I keep saying her dad. Was, was gender made clear? I might just be adding that in my brain. Um, I'm aware of the gender because of the submission. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, so yes, female. Yeah, yeah. But it, but it seems it seems more legitimate. Well, and, and I'm sorry. Where, and also, she says like me and my brother. At some point, uh, there is like some indication. I think in the story that it was like her and her brothers. Oh, okay. 
Uh, but yeah, but I, um, shoot, now I can't remember what I was saying. Oh, well. Oh, well. Oh, well. Must not have been that important. <laughs> All right. What is, I, oh, I, I know what it was. Just yes, to get it out of my please. head. It was, uh, sometimes there's a story like this where somebody like, okay, I, my dad years ago maybe saw this one thing. This is his version. That is very different than somebody like, every time I go out in the woods, I see a werewolf. <laughs> like that story, right. much harder to believe. I was like, well, if you're seeing him constantly and you, almost like you have this relationship with him, yeah. then take some pics. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah that's a, I would think that one. 100% like, okay, so yeah, show me. Take me with you. Yeah, Let's go it. for a hike. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. Okay, well, I just have one more little story, and I actually thought it was just kind of sweet. Okay. Uh, I guess you could call it like one of our confirmation tales. This um, was the leave the light on, right? Yeah, yeah. It was kind of cracking me up. And I think that we've talked about this before, but wasn't it your grandma Stell when she was nearing the end of her life? Mm -hmm. Didn't she yep. see like... Or, or claim to have seen. She kept claiming to see like the ghosts of relatives like in her bedroom. And didn't she like tell them to just go away? And then my grandma Betty, her daughter, <laughs> was something was something like, well, tell them to leave you alone and go to sleep. It was something like she was getting worked up about it. <laughs> I don't know. My grandma Betty had a very dismissive thing. Well, like, well, tell them to leave you alone. Just uh, stop bothering me about it. <laughs> I just find that so funny. Well, if anybody was going to come see me. Yeah. For my family, if I had to choose, I would 100% choose my grandma Tilly, yeah. which very early on in Scared to Death, we were pretty sure after some exploration that my grandma was coming here yeah, to this space. Yeah, you thought she was visiting, yeah. Yeah, and I like just didn't put two and two together when we had uh, Zach's wife, Monique, here, yeah. and she kept picking up on spirits and a spirit named Millie. And then yeah. it was like a year later that her and I were chatting about something. I was like, oh, my grandma Tilly. And she was like... Hold on a second. You mean Tilly you, Millie? Yeah. Yeah. She's like, how did you not put that together? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I just didn't. I just didn't think of it. So, I thought that this was a very sweet little tale. Hello there, Dan and Lindsay. Hello. Let me start by saying I've been listening to the podcast for just a few days now, and I'm pretty sure all of my friends are annoyed about how often I talk about it. Keep talking. I, I know for sure my wife is. <laughs> tell, tell everyone. When I was 20, me and my friend Nick lived together in an apartment. As our lease was ending, we discovered that we weren't going to be able to afford to keep living there. That was probably due to the fact that I had just gotten fired from my job. Mm. Worried about what we were, where we were going to stay, Nick told me that his dad had said we could stay at his grandmother's house. The house had been on the market for years, and Nick's grandmother had passed away in the house years ago. His dad said we could live there until someone bought it or we found somewhere else to stay. We moved in a couple of days later. The house was old and outdated, but we certainly didn't care. Nick, being the awesome friend that he is, told me that he would take the bedroom that his grandma had died in. He said he didn't want me to be freaked out by that. And everything was going great. We had a place to stay, and it was much cheaper than our apartment, and I had started a new job. About a week into things, though, it started to get weird. Whenever I would sleep in my bedroom, I got this overwhelming sense that something was watching over me. I would scan the room, but nothing was ever there. As soon as I would close my eyes, the feeling would return. It had gotten so bad that I'd started sleeping with my TV on, playing some kind of funny movie in the background just to ease my mind. I told Nick about how freaked out I was getting, and then he shared that he also felt the same way, but simply said, eh, I guess it's just my grandmother. Approximately two weeks later, I was coming home from a date. Nick was at work. I had just gotten, it had just gotten dark outside as I pulled into our carport and parked. I walked through the carport door and into the kitchen, flipped on the kitchen lights, and turned the carport light off. I was about halfway through the kitchen when I heard a click. I turned around to see that the carport light was now on and the switch was flipped up. Confused, I thought to myself, all right, maybe I didn't flip the switch all the way. I turned it back off and with the switch definitely in the down position, I now walked back through the kitchen until I heard it again. Click, 
I nearly pissed myself when I saw the light was back on and the switch was now flipped up. I immediately turned on every light in the house and then sat in the living room waiting for Nick to get home. I told him what happened, hoping he would believe me. Nick's dad came over a few days later to install a new mailbox. Tell my dad what happened to you the other night, Nick prompted. I told his dad about the carport light and he just smiled at me. Listen, I don't want to freak you out or anything, but my mother always wanted that light on, he said. My heart sank. I was convinced that it was Nick's grandmother turning the light on. So we went inside the house and I said out loud, just to the empty air, sorry about turning the light off. It won't (laughs) happen again. And Nick couldn't help but laugh at me. And then after dinner one night, Nick and I settled into the couch to watch a movie. And to our left was the doorway to the dining room and kitchen area. And out of the corner of my eye, I could suddenly see a white figure in the doorway, like it was kind of spying on us. I freaked out, but told myself that it was just my mind playing tricks on me. Stay calm. But then 30 seconds later, Nick said, Hey man, I think I just saw something white in the doorway over there. I immediately told him what I had seen, and we were definitely seeing the same thing. We were both pretty shooken up. With both of us feeling like we were being watched in our bedrooms, we decided to start sleeping in the living room. (laughs) Sleep was pretty hard to come by, so most nights we just stayed up late playing video games. This went on for about two months until finally an offer for the house came in. I was so relieved. I wanted out of that house so badly. I can't help but to think of the family who moved into the house. I often wonder if they've ever experienced some of the things that we did, but most importantly, I hope they kept that carport light on. Josh. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. I don't know, I thought it was so sweet. Mm-hmm, that is so sweet. Oh, Granny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not a not an aggressive, malevolent spirit at all. Just somebody really focused. That is such a weird thing where like somebody becomes really known for something in life, towards the end of their life, especially. Yeah. You know, it's like they really were adamant about don't move this chair. This is my chair or whatever. Or, you know, the light, anything like that. And sweeping then, the floors every day. Sweeping the floors, yeah. And then to have that stuff like come back after they're gone, like, what is that about? Is it just like Again, like leftover energy, like Mm -hmm. there's some kind of magic in the universe where if you fixate on something, you are, you know, projecting your energy into some kind of event, some kind of, uh, your focus, just whatever focused on something. Can that focus somehow linger after you're gone, which is very strange to think about. Yeah. Or like, what's the purpose of that? If the the thoughts have energy. Well, I think so, but that's like a whole other. Yeah. Like an energy that can like affect the material world, you know, which is, what do they call that? Like telekinesis, maybe I can't remember the right term. Yeah. I think that is the correct term. I I do believe that because I believe that in general where it's just like, take the paranormal out of it. I do believe like if you inherently believe that people are evil and out to get you, if that's like what you're putting into the energy of people you meet in the world around you, that is what you're going to get back. And then, Mm. and then your beliefs become concrete because you're like, well, that's what I've observed. It's like, but what if you believed that people were inherently good? You you would find the good in more situations and more good would yeah. come back to you. So I, I do, like if you take that then a step further into the paranormal, sure, mm-hmm. why not? And then how does it linger when you're gone? I don't know. There's just well, maybe there's so much we don't know yet. And I don't, and I don't know, like in this kind of situation, is it like that the energy is lingering or that mm-hmm. the, the grandma is still there? And for whatever reason, that is her way of saying like, this is my house. Yeah. Not yeah. even like, I don't want you here, but just like, this is my house and I'm still here. Mm-hmm. And I want to ask grandma Betty if anything strange happens at the house. Like, has she noticed anything? She hasn't said anything. I feel like she might, if she really noticed something. Yeah, or she might just, like, not want to give into that. Because, I mean, she lives, you know, she doesn't live. I know she reads our books. She reads our horror books and uh, and has since she's lived alone and seems to be doing okay. 
Yeah, so it's like really fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. I had this girlfriend in grade school and her, when her like grandma died, I think, or like an aunt, I don't know, somebody in her family died and the mom was home. She was like doing dishes and like something like on a shelf, like next to her just kept falling down, kept falling down, kept falling down. Yeah. And then it like clicked in her mind as some memory of somebody in her family that I don't know, like liked this item. I don't know. But she was like, oh my God, okay, I get it. You're gone. (laughs) And then as soon as she acknowledged it, it stopped. So in that same way, when uh, Josh acknowledged the light, I wonder if the carport light is an issue for this new family or because he was like, sorry, granny, won't do that again. Is it just over? I don't know. I don't know. Because then didn't they see the white figure in the doorway? Maybe she was just saying goodbye then. Mm, Yeah. I don't know. Yep. I don't know. Good stories. So many options. Okay. Do you want to thank some Annabelles? Sure. I will go first. Thank you to the following Annabelles for your continued support on Patreon. Allison, Wendy, and Bob Sellers. This was really cute. Allison's an Annabelle. And then she like wrote me this note and she was like, listen, my parents are the reason that I love horror. So can you just thank them too? Oh, that's awesome. It's cute. Uh, Carly Miser, Carl Keel, Alex Coder, Lauren, Creeper Cat, like K-A-T. Okay. Uh, John Hornbrook, Tess Smart, Karen Vaughn, Ray Vega, and Addie Austin. Nice. Tess Smart sounds like a scientist. Just, uh, I am Tess Smart. <laughs> it, sounds, <laughs> it sounds like Westworld. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'd like to thank the following Annabelle's. Natalie Nichols, Tina Feltz, Jessica Ford, Peter Delaney, Chelsea Carner, Carrie Ann, Lisseth Reyes, uh, Jessica Cooper, Oliver Garcia, Miranda Flores, Josh Johnson, and uh, Lily Armstrong. And then unique spelling on Lily there. Thanks for the parenthetical. L-I-L-L-I-I. Uh-huh. She said this. She's like, listen, it should be obvious, but, you know, people get this wrong all the time. <laughs> oh, I bet, I bet people say like Lili. 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 Well, maybe they go Lili. Like they just like, oh, oh yeah. Lil. Like, like, Lai, 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 song is that? Lai, Lai, <laughs> Oh, boy. Okay. Spoopy shout outs to Brian from Brian. Happy birthday. To Amari from Babs. Happy birthday. And to my brother, Jason. Happy birthday. I love you, buddy. He turns old tomorrow. <laughs> I uh, I picture there not being two Brians in that first one. It's just uh, the way Brian has chosen to give himself a happy birthday wish. In fact, it is. Because here's what happens. Some, is it really? Yeah. That's hilarious. Two Brian from Brian. Okay. Yeah. We get those like, I mean, a reasonable amount where people are like, yeah. listen, I love this show. No one else is going to get me a spoopy shout out because my friends and family <laughs> aren't into it. Aren't into it. That's funny. And yeah. like, I think Brian, I want to say he sent me this email a while ago and he was like, listen, last year was a shit birthday. Uh, I refuse to let it be another shitty one. So like, I'm giving myself a shout out. Well, Good Brian, you, Brian, I hope that you and yourself have the best time in your birthday <laughs> i hope you buy a, can- a cake for yourself and blow out those candles <laughs> so many cakes buy all the cakes cupcakes, <laughs> buy all the cakes. cookies whatever you want that's yeah, your birthday uh and that is our show thanks for continuing to send in your personal tales of terror to my story at scared to death podcast.com um you've been getting more uh stories since that little uh request I need more. More stories. More stories. Send the stories. Don't worry about being like a perfect author. We clean them up so that they're grammatically correct. Mm. Uh, Like if you're a rambler, I get some emails. They're like, I'm sorry. It's like, okay, I can like tighten it up. And we never change the essence of the story. We don't change what it's about, but I can help. You're fine. (laughs) You can email us for everything else at info at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. Thank you to Logan Keith and Tyler C for the work on social media with Ryan Handelsman. 
and then thanks to Logan again for running badmagicmerch.com and producing to, and directing today. Thanks to Zach Cohen for custom soundbed creation, Heather Rylander for organizing the My Story emails, book editor Drew Atana for polishing and preparing listener stories for book number four. Thanks to producer Sophie Evans for finding that first story I told this week and to Olivia Lee for finding the second. Subscribe to Bad Magic Productions on YouTube if you would like to watch the show. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram if you want more content and see pics that accompany episodes at Scared to Death Podcast. Also on TikTok at Scared to Death Podcast. And we have a private Facebook group, Creeps and Peepers, if you want to engage with other listeners. And if you don't want to hear more ads, if you want monthly bonus episodes, check out our Patreon and get the entire catalog ad-free and more. And most importantly, enjoy your nightmares, Creeps and Peepers. Hope you were scared to death. If spirits threaten me in this place, fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through, but have no home here within scared to death. Add Magic Productions. Yeah, you can't Coors Light your way into that type of paranormal experience. I've been plenty drunk plenty of times in my life. You don't get werewolf drunk. Like you, you, don't get, you don't get so drunk that you're like, I see a giant furry man with yellow eyes. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and... Producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy.